Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Arizona. Good morning, Tucson. Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, uh, March the 22nd, 2022. This is the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean, and uh, welcome to uh, to our program here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. We are glad to be here with you on this beautiful Tuesday uh, here in the uh, in the beautiful state of Arizona. And I uh, hope you guys are enjoying this weather because right around the corner, it's... <laughs> it's going to get nasty. It's supposed to be pretty warm this weekend, to be honest with you. But we are uh, we are enjoying it while we can, and there are plenty of things going on in the world of sports to talk about. I mean, so many things. Just you know, people talk about like, oh, it's just it's just Tucson. It's just a little little town, little little, little, little old Tucson. Well, I mean, I could literally do an entire three hour show today, just based on things that have to do with Tucson with. Uh, the athletics department there at Arizona, things connected to Tucson and the U of A. I mean, that's just just the university, not anything else, not including the pro sports that you know the Tucson fans get to enjoy here with the Arizona teams like your Phoenix Suns, who came up with a miraculous victory the other night in overtime despite being down both of their point guards, both you know CP3 obviously uh, still with the uh, with the injured uh, you know with the injury come back from surgery, and then Cameron Payne was uh, a game time decision, did not play. Uh, you know, we found out about an hour before the game started that he wasn't going to play in that game and still get got things done. Uh, we're losing the entire game, then made a furious comeback. Devin Booker, of course, hits a big shot, and the Suns go on to victory. Just once again proving uh, that they are the best team in the NBA. They're the deepest team in the NBA. They're the best team in the NBA, and they are the overwhelming favorites right now to win the NBA championship. And and we'll, we'll talk about some more NBA Throughout the weeks, of course, you know the Suns. I believe they have eleven games to go on the on the schedule. They'll be wrapping up the number one seed in the Western Conference real soon because they have a nine game lead over Memphis right now. Um, so really, you know their their magic number is just a, a couple of games away, um, and they'll be in action again. I believe tomorrow night. Uh, but anyway, ESPN Tucson is your radio home for the Phoenix Suns, and uh, they are just rolling right now. And I can't like honestly, I. I, the Suns are the only team that I can figure out in the NBA. Like, there's like the best team that I can figure out, and then like the worst team. Uh, you know, I, although I don't know, uh, that might be the Portland Trailblazers. And of course, they win in Detroit last night, despite being like the worst team in the NBA right now because of trades and injuries and such. And Dame Lillard said he won't be back this year and probably ever again. But uh, I can't figure out the rest of them. You know, the 76ers look completely. Uh, two nights ago, they just looked completely overwhelmed, uh, predictable, not playing any defense, you know, Embiid and Harden. They have no bench depth whatsoever, and they just got blasted the other night. And Harden and Embiid were really kind of – it was like the other team was just kind of toying with them defensively. And then last night, they win a game without them against a really good Eastern Conference team. I can't figure out the NBA right now. Uh, maybe it's just because end of the season, you know, doldrums or whatever hitting some of these teams. But these are all good teams, and they're playing up and down, topsy turvy. You know, the Nets get a win without Kyrie last night. It was all Kevin Durant. The Lakers beat the uh, Cavaliers last night. LeBron James is a man possessed in Cleveland. 
so the NBA, the association continues to be it's, – it's exciting, uh, unpredictable. <laughs> but uh, moving into the playoffs, I think we'll see a little bit more predictability as uh, we get into the postseason. The cream will eventually rise to the top, and like it always does, the Suns are definitely one of those teams. Suns, uh, Warriors, those are the, the two best uh, – the consensus two best teams in the West – the East has like probably five teams that could possibly ascend to the uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals. So we'll see. We'll keep a close eye on that. Of course, we'll have it all for you here on the Jeff Dean Show. We're also going to talk some NFL today, as we always do. As my promise to you, every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show, we will be talking NFL, and there are plenty of NFL news and notes to go over today. Uh, uh, a re-signing of a running back in the NFC South. Other NFC South movement, trade amongst two teams with the NFC and the AFC South divisions. Um, where is Baker Mayfield going to end up? It seems like nobody wants him. Like it's, 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 There's a lot of stuff to talk about in the NFL right now as well. But we begin with some things that occur on campus. Uh, it was a you know kind of a big night on campus yesterday in Tucson. Uh, unfortunately for Arizona women's basketball, it will be the last time that this team, this particular iteration of Adia Barnes' team, will be playing this season as uh, the Arizona women's basketball team, their season comes to an end, losing 63-45 to to fourth-seeded North Carolina in the, uh, in the tournament, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, or sorry, say fifth seed in North Carolina. Arizona's fourth-seed, North Carolina's five-seed uh, in, uh, in the NCAA women's tournament. It, it, was, it was an ugly game from the, from the beginning. Um, Arizona showed early that they just weren't going to be able to shoot the ball well against North Carolina. And then the defense kind of went like it's, it's, I think it's just kind of one of those things like where just one of those games where everything just gets away from you. Uh, You know, they started the night with poor shooting and then the poor shooting often will lead to lead to poor defense. Then the poor defense leads to foul trouble the foul trouble leads to a lot of complaining and things like that, and there was a lot of that going on. There was a technical handed out, and I think that was the first time an Adia Barnes player has had a technical, uh, as far as I know. I mean, I, you don't hear, you don't hear about him very often, that's for sure. I know she said after the game that Lauren Ware was her first technical uh, at Arizona, um, so you don't hear about technicals in the women's game too often, not from the players at least. Uh, so then you get you know the foul trouble, which then culminates into more bad offense, which is what Arizona did. Uh, last night, I mean, led by Sam Thomas, it was in her final collegiate game, uh, final game of McHale, final collegiate game. She had 15 points. Unfortunately for Sam, her teammates shot a combined 23% from the field for the game. 23%. They went 11 and a half minutes yesterday in the first half without scoring a basket. 12 consecutive missed free, uh, field goal attempts. <sighs> Whoa. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm surprised they didn't lose by 40 at that point. You know, you shoot the ball that poorly, and you give up that many free throws to an opposing team. I mean, the propensity for epic blowout is right there. Not saying that, you know, it's a, you know, a, a, uh, you know, a, a moral victory or anything like that for Arizona. You lose by 18 on your home court in front of 9,000 fans. It's obviously not a great day. But – it shows you, you know, the grit of the team. They fought all the way to the end. They had got it to within, what was it, I think 15? 15 or 14 points, I think they had got it to within, like, two minutes to go. And the fans were still raucous and cheering and, and 
you know, trying to do their best to will their team to an epic comeback victory. Uh, alas, it was it was just not to be. They just uh, they just couldn't overcome uh, the early problems. Now the Tar Heels, as I mentioned, you know, it was you know it was a free throw parade. Like, it was a complete parade to the free throw line. Uh, North Carolina made 19 of their 24 foul shots. Adia Barnes said after the game that she told her team, you know, before, like, and basically in the scouting, you know, in, in talking with her coaches and talking with the players, like, we can't, we can't send this team to the line. They're one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country. And 24 times the free throw line, not good. And also a little disappointing because North Carolina is more of a jump shooting team. You never want to foul a team that just you know just is a jump shooting team. I know they they kind of went into attack mode last night. They, there was kind of some blood in the water, and North Carolina went into attack mode kind of early, kind of getting away from their game, going at the basket a little bit more often. But nonetheless, uh, Arizona's defense faltered, and it just led to foul trouble. Meanwhile, Arizona only shot seven free throws for the entire game, making four of them. So four of seven versus nineteen of twenty-four. You're not going to win many of those games unless you shoot the lights out. And as I mentioned, Arizona shot 23% from the field outside of Sam Thomas. So not a not a good game from the uh, from the rest of the team there. And like I said, it's just one of those games where everything just kind of gets away from you. Um, you know, one bad thing leads to another, and it all snowballs. And then you have just you know what you have is just a, a bad game. Uh, you have a clunker, and you know those happen. Unfortunately, sometimes they do happen in a postseason setting. These are still young players that are very emotional, uh, and these types of things will happen to young teams. I mean, it's, it's why we see, you know, why we see the, the, the scores sometimes that we do in the postseason. So that's where it ends. You know, I, I don't think the expectations for this year were incredibly high. Uh, I think fans, media, whatever, expected this team to do well. I don't know if anyone felt like this team was – uh, you know, championship game worthy or championship game, I guess, you know, predicting this team to go to a championship like they did last year. Uh, nobody predicted last year, by the way. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I don't think that you know, with, with the loss of Eric McDonald, I mean, when you watched Arizona women's basketball last two years, like it was the Eric McDonald show. Like she was the best player in the country. Uh, she was Okay, maybe not the best player in the country, certainly in the conversation. She was the number three overall pick in the draft. But she was, without question, the most valuable player in the country for her team. She was she was everything. I mean, you could watch an Arizona women's basketball game, and Ari McDonald would go on a 10-0 run by herself, and the game would be over. Like, that's it. Like, they'd have like a three- or four-point lead, Ari would just go nuts for like two minutes, two, three minutes, get three steals, three and ones, like just insane, you know, just bursts of energy that she would lead to an 8-0, 10-0 run by herself, and the game was over at that point. Like, forget about it. Arizona's defense was way too good. You weren't coming back from that. This year, they didn't have that. You know, they they didn't have Ari, and you see it all the time in all kinds of sports, whether it be men's basketball, women's basketball, hockey, baseball, football, for that matter. You see it all the time. You lose that one-star player who was your most valuable player, your everything, your your motor, your engine, your spark plug, whatever you want to call it. You lose that player, and all of a sudden the team is a completely different team next year. It happens all the time. I am not surprised that Arizona didn't go back to the national championship game this year. I'm a little disappointed that they played so poorly after securing 
a home court advantage in the first round. However, this North Carolina team's pretty damn good. So we'll see how far they end up going in this tournament. They look like a pretty good team. There's been a couple of upsets already in the women's brackets, so you know you never know. So what does women's basketball look like moving forward? You know what's what's next for Adia Barnes in this program? Okay, well the future is very bright, and the immediate future is bright. You know I mentioned this was Sam Thomas's final collegiate game. She scored 15 points, had a very emotional night for uh, for Sam. However, the other four starters. All coming back, unless they decide to enter the, the transfer portal. I can't imagine why you would want to leave playing for Adia Barnes, but uh, you never know. So all four, the other four returning starters are coming back next year. Shayna Pellington will be back. Kate Reese will be back, which is huge. Lauren Ware will be back. And Ben Duyaney will be back. Okay, Those are four of the five starters. You're only losing Sam Thomas from this year's team. And inarguably... The class that is coming in, the 2022-23 class that is coming in, is inarguably the best recruiting class in the history of this program. You know, there was a uh, there was an article written. I don't know if it was today. It, had, it must have been today, last night, whatever. Uh, Greg Hansen wrote an article. You know, he mentioned that you know the program opened 50 years ago. Once Title IX was green lighted, uh, they started with a you know with a with a women's basketball program in 1972, and so this is essentially the you know the the the, the 50th year of Arizona women's basketball. And it took 50 years for them to get to this point where they now have one of the top recruiting classes in the entire country. Depending on which service you subscribe to, it's either the top six recruiting class in the country or the top eight recruiting class in the country. They've got Maya Naji coming in. I think we all familiar with that name. That's Zeke's little sister. She's coming in from Minnesota, 6'4 forward, She's the ninth or eighth rated player in the entire class, depending on, again, which, which you know, uh, service you subscribe to. So she's a top ten player. Then you've got Paris Clark. She's a, a like a combo guard from New York, very, very skilled. She's rated as the number 21 player in the class. Kaylin Gilbert from IMG Academy. She's a point guard coming in from IMG. Like, that's big-time stuff. That's big-time. Like, IMG isn't just about football Okay, it's they have a great programs throughout their you know every program they have is massive. Uh, Kaylin Gilbert is a five nine point guard. She's the number thirty rated player in the class. Uh, Lamaya Hilton, she's the Canadian five eleven, kind of a a bigger guard essentially. She's uh, the eighty fifth rated player in this class. So you have these four young freshmen coming in which is, again, it's either the number six or the number eight class in the country, depending on which service you subscribe to. So the future immediately is very, very bright for Adia Barnes and the women's basketball team. They're bringing back four starters. They've got one of the top recruiting classes in the country. But it's not all sunshine and roses. Okay, Things are not going to be easy next year for this basketball team because, oh, by the way, there's 11 other teams in this conference five of which are extremely, extremely good uh, at women's basketball. Stanford, obviously, we, we know all about the Hall of Fame coach, multiple championships. They have the number two rated class in the country coming in next year. UCLA has taken a little while. They've taken their shots. They had to, you know, kind of find the, the, you know, the coaching staff that they wanted to roll with. Right now, UCLA is bringing in a class of six freshmen next year. It's the number three rated class in the country. Oregon is bouncing back. They have the number four rated class in the country. 
Also, their neighbors, Oregon State in Corvallis, have the number five rated class in the country. All of those schools rated ahead of Arizona's class. As good as Arizona's class is, there are four schools in the Pac-12 rated above Arizona's current recruiting class. Oh, by the way, Washington is starting to bounce back a little bit. They've got the number 15 overall rated class, and USC has a top 30 class. So, <laughs> man, it is. It, it, things are getting, the rich are getting richer out here in the Pac-12. And look, it's a good thing, right? You want to have a really strong conference because if you have a strong, you see this all the time, especially in basketball, a team that ascends to the top of a conference, just dominates a conference for a year, two years, three years, whatever have you, um, and and the conference is a little a little weak, and then that team gets into a tournament style, uh, you know, scenario, and they don't do well, they don't perform well because they weren't really battle tested against the best players in the country. Uh, you will not be able to say that about a Pac-12 team in the tournament, in the women's tournament moving forward, in the men's tournament for that matter, uh, because these schools all just recruiting the heck out of it. Uh, UConn has the number one overall class, no big surprise there. But then the Pac-12 has two, three, four, five, and six. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. So it is, uh, it, it is a feast out there uh, in the Pac-12 for women's recruits coming in this year, and Adia Barnes is one of the best. I mean, I, you know, I, I I consider her to be the best recruiter on campus as far as Arizona head coaches go. I believe that she is the best recruiter. Now, there are some coaches that still need to prove themselves, brand new people like Chip Hale, like Tommy Lloyd, that are going to be able to prove themselves in the years to come. But right now, I think Adia's got them all whipped. I think she's I think she's the best recruiter. Uh, I, she might be the best recruiter this school's ever had, period. Like, she's... <laughs> She turned it around immediately. I mean, well, she was the lead recruiter at Washington when they, Kelsey Plum, and, you know, they were winning Pac-12, you know, or competing for Pac-12 championships with Stanford and back when ASU was really, really good as well. So, uh, you know, things are, things are going to be bright. This, this was a, a, a bad day for Arizona women's basketball, but, again, the future is bright. The program is strong. The program is very, very solid and good things looking forward for women's basketball, and, of course, we'll keep you apprised of any news and notes and things like that that come about from uh, from that program. All right, Arizona baseball capped off a sweep of Stanford. What happened in the game last night and in this series? We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. The Jeff Dean Show here on this uh, Tuesday, March 22nd. And, uh, you know, it's funny, you, you, you go on Twitter, and I was I was working last night. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm also the PA announcer for San Francisco Giants spring training. We had a game last night, and... Uh, Game was everything was going smoothly. I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna get out of here pretty quickly." And then the bullpen came in and poured gasoline all over the field, and it took. <laughs> I think the top of the eighth inning was like thirty-one minutes or something. I'm just like, "Oh man, here we go." Uh, so I'm kind of on Twitter, you know, just like a little thumbing through things, and I see a tweet from head coach, head football coach Jed Fish, and there's a Smurf, <laughs> a Smurf gif. Uh, of uh, one of the Smurfs, I don't know which one it was, sweeping 
his his uh, his, hus- his dusty home with a broom with a retweet of Arizona baseball. And I, I, at that point, I knew what had happened because I didn't see a tweet from Arizona baseball or Michael Lev or anybody, you know, people who cover the uh, the team as to what the final score was or anything. The first thing I saw was Jed's tweet about the sweep and the broom. So at that point, I was like, yes, they completed the sweep of Stanford. Now, it wasn't until I got home to look at some of the highlights that I realized just what in the world happened in that game last night as Chase Davis, uh, dude was just a man possessed in this particular series against Stanford. Three home runs, two of them last night. Chase Davis hit a pair of dingers, six RBIs in the game, would have beaten Stanford by himself. But it was the grand slam that he hit in that game. I mean, <laughs> seventh inning, it's a 3-3 game. After tying it up earlier, the catcher down 3-1, he ties it up with a, with a, with a two-run homer earlier in the game. Okay, so that's 3-3. Seventh inning rolls around. It's an 0-2 count. And the Stanford pitcher hangs a curveball. And, I mean, it's just sitting there. And Chase Davis crushed that thing. And, I mean, you watch, you watch a lot of baseball. And, and a lot of times in, you know, in college, you, you know, you can see there's not a whole lot of hold on home runs for hit at Arizona at High Corbett Field anyway to begin with. It's not a home run hitter's park. It's a great hitter's park, not a great home run hitter's park because it is deep, man. It is, it is a big field. Um, a lot of times you watch college baseball and you hear the, you know, the knock of the, the, the bat, you know, the, not the wooden bat, but the aluminum bat that they're using or whatever, you know, alloy or whatever they're using now. Um, and the ball just kind of carries and carries and carries and carries and carries. And you're like, Oh, that thing got over the fence. There was, that was a no doubter last night. That ball was smoked. And after the game, Chase said he was sitting on a curveball. I don't know who sits on a curveball. Oh, two. But he did. He said it's because the scouting report, um, they, uh, they they scouted him, and this, this pitcher throws a fastballs 97% of the time, and the first fastball he threw him got parked over the right field fence. So he figured, like, well, on an 0-2 count, he just threw me a curve for a, uh, for, a, for a strike. Let me see if he throws another one. And he hung it in there, and bang, out it went, grand slam. And that was it, man. That was seven to three. The Wildcats tack on a few more runs later on, win that game ten to three. Now, the Cats scored nineteen runs in the series against Stanford, which is look that's a that's a good number for a team like Stanford. Stanford's got a really good pitching staff. At least they did uh, the last few years. Maybe this year's not as great. At least their their bullpen must not be because fifteen of the nineteen runs the Wildcats scored came in the seventh and eighth innings of this series. All comeback victories. Wildcats were down early. The Wildcats pitched extremely well also, uh, but their bullpen was much, much better than Stanford's was. And that's the reason why they are uh, they are sitting there very, very happily near the top of the Pac-12 in the standings. Uh, if you look at the Division One baseball rankings, you have the RPA or RPI rankings, which came out um, through the, these are games through last night. So NCAA up early, updating their RPI standings. And right now, your Arizona Wildcats are the number two RPI team in the country, sixteen and four record. Uh, of course, they've you know they've got a, a great record against ranked teams, whom I'm guessing Stanford will be dropped from the rankings in most of the uh, uh, most of the, the the sites and such. Probably, if not already, 
uh, yesterday, but probably by today, uh, they'll be dropped from those rankings. Arizona now probably going to find themselves near a top ten. Look, there's a lot of good teams in college baseball, uh, but Arizona should be finding themselves probably in the top ten somewhere, maybe at number ten. Uh, this is a really good baseball team, and they're going to have a, a great opportunity to uh, to prove themselves coming up because. You know they're going to be they're going to be traveling. Uh, I think they travel today because they play tomorrow. They play a game tomorrow in Albuquerque. They've got the, they got New Mexico for a couple of games, and then they're going to return home to play UCLA. So and look, UCLA's not great right now. I think they're twelve and seven, twelve and seven, one and two in the in the conference right now. Um, but they've got a three game series against UCLA. UCLA always tough. Uh, always puts guys in the league. I mean, it's 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 a great program there at UCLA. So, like I said yesterday, Arizona gets to host a lot of these really good Pac-12 schools uh, and High Corbett this year. That's going to pay them dividends. They're going to be able to get a lot of big-time wins over schools. Granted, they can secure you know the home field advantage and stuff, and really take advantage of that. Uh, they're going to get some wins over some really top-flight schools in the conference this year, just because they get to play them at home. Um, so UCLA coming to town for the weekend. So a three-game series against the Bruins. Get your tickets. Go out there and support your Wildcat baseball team this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Should be a lot of fun. You can watch Chase Davis launch balls into the atmosphere. I mean, if you have not seen the grand slam that he hit last night, you've got to check this out, man. Like, it was <clears> – I think Michael Lev had posted a video on his, on his Twitter. If you, uh, if you don't follow Michael – if you're on Twitter and you're not following Michael Lev, first of all, there's something wrong. Like, he's, he's a must-follow for Wildcat fans um, because, you know, he's the guy. You know, it's, it's funny. We were, we've been talking basketball, obviously, because of the tournament and stuff, and poor Mike got left at home, and he's doing double duty. He's covering football and baseball. So he's, he's, uh, he, did, he did a lot of work this weekend. So uh, props to Michael Lev uh, for, for, you know, keeping us all in the know, attending the games and the practices, and we'll talk about Wildcat football as well because they did have – uh, another practice yesterday. We will discuss some of the sights and sounds from there. But yeah, if you have not seen the the, the Chase Davis Grand Slam home run, my goodness, it was a moonshot. I mean that ball. I, uh, yeah, there, there's there's been some pretty good home runs in you know in 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 the years and past and stuff like that. Obviously, that one, I the sound that it made was just incredible. I wish I could have been there for that. You know, those are the types of things that you want to be there to see. Um, I remember, you know, last night they were training a, a brand-new scoreboard operator at Scottsdale Stadium where I work, and the Giants were playing the Brewers, and Christian Yelich was in the lineup. Now, you look at Christian Yelich, and he doesn't look like anything. Like, he's a little skinny, string bean kind of kid. Um, obviously, we know, if you know baseball, you know what kind of a hell of a baseball player he is. But he doesn't look like much. And I was telling the, the scoreboard operator, I'm like, yeah, I go, it's funny there's just certain guys that you see come through here in spring training or whatever, or guys you go see at a major league ballpark that when they're at the plate and they hit the ball, there's just something different about it. I'm like, Christian Yelich is one of those guys. Like you'll see, you'll, you'll see, you know, all these other hitters, all these other brewer hitters come up and they'll, you know, they'll hit the ball and you'll hear the ball come off the bat. And you know, sometimes they, they get a hold of one and you know, it's, it's a good hit. I go, when Christian Yelich makes contact with a baseball, it sounds di- like everything's different. And he's just, like I said, he's just this little skinny string bean of a kid. He doesn't look like much. But, my God, when he swings a baseball bat and he makes contact, there is something different. That ball just jumps off his bat. He's different. Um, 
He had he had a, a rip down the right field line last night that was foul, but geez, uh, it was a, an, a laser beam. And I think, you know, watching that, you know, the, the replay, I watched it like 11 times last night, just like over and over again, like, my God, when you hear the sound that the ball makes coming off of the bat of Chase Davis, specifically in that grand slam. Now, maybe it was just, you know, perfect scenario, perfect swing, sweet spot on the bat, sweet spot of the ball. Everything was perfect, and there's there's no better feeling than that, trust me. If, if you've ever gotten a hold of one like that, man, that is, it's, you can't describe it, right? Anybody who's in that position, anybody who's listening to me right now that's had that happen is like, yep, <laughs> there's no describing that. The way that that feels, the, the perfect you know, swing of the bat on the sweet spot of the ball and all that. It all kind of comes together. Just It's effortless almost. Like the ball just flies through the air. And when he connected with that curveball, it made a sound like you hear those special players, like when they hit a ball. It's like, ooh, that's different. Like everybody turns around and looks. Like I remember going to batting practice a lot when Bonds was with the Giants. And, you know, we'd go to BP. I've been to games in San Francisco, games here for the Diamondbacks, spring training, all that stuff. And you could always tell when Barry was in the the uh, the, the box, you know, essentially the, the net for BP, because you could just hear this cacophony, this echo throughout the stadium every time he connected with a ball. It was just different. And uh, I think Chase Davis may have a little, bit, a little of that in him. Three home run weekend for him. Uh, against Stanford. Props to you, my man. And, hey, props to the whole team. That was a team effort. Chip Hale's got himself a bunch of scrappers and fighters, guys that don't quit, and you love to see that. Those are gonna, th- these things are going to pay dividends come postseason uh, for this baseball team. I'm very excited for Wildcat baseball right now. So uh, the, uh, the Wildcats, as I mentioned, they're going to be headed out to uh, Albuquerque, taking on New Mexico. That game is tomorrow, right? Tomorrow, 5, 5 p.m. tomorrow. So, Check that out. Keep an eye on uh, on the uh, on the socials for the updates on that game. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, as I mentioned, Wildcat football had their fifth practice of the spring. What are some of the news and notes coming out of there? How does the quarterback room look? What do our new freshmen look like? All that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Good morning and welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. It is 741 Tucson Tuesday here till 9 AM. Don't forget to check out Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6 PM. They'll have all of the, uh, the day's news and notes and the happenings in the world of sports and, of course, all of the hijinks that they get into during their show every afternoon right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. And, of course, we are your home not only for the Phoenix Suns, your Tucson home for the best NBA team in the league, but we're also your home for March Madness. So be stay, t- uh, stay tuned for that. We'll have uh, a- an updated schedule on which games we're going to be carrying, and I'll have that for you either later today or tomorrow, and I'll let you guys know what you can find right here on ESPN Tucson. <clears throat> Pardon me. The Arizona Wildcats football program held their fifth practice of the spring yesterday, and thanks to Michael Lev, we were able to get some uh, some glimpses of some of the things that happened. Now, the the quarterback room, I, I said this last week, 
and I think I said it maybe even a couple of weeks before that, or the week before that, I should say, because I wasn't here multiple weeks before that, regardless. I kind of felt all along that the the acceptance of Jaden Delora as a transfer quarterback meant that he was going to be the starter from day one. Like you just you don't you don't bring in the conferences Pac-12 offensive play, you know, the offensive freshman of the year. Uh you don't bring him in and have him compete for the job or at least, you know, you don't have him you don't present him with the fact that you're going to have to compete for this job otherwise you're going to be riding the bench. You bring that person in especially when your quarterback room consists of two players who were here last year that are coming back from injuries and surgeries and one incoming freshman, albeit a highly rated freshman, but nonetheless a freshman. So Jaden Delora has taken first-team reps, has taken the chunk of the first-team reps, I should say, throughout the first four practices of the, uh, the spring season. Yesterday, he took all of the first-team reps. So again, there are... Plenty of people out there that are Noah Fafita fans. Trust me, I am a huge Noah Fafita fan. There's very, very few people that are a bigger Noah Fafita fan than I am. I love that kid, uh, and I, you know, haven't even had a chance to to sit down and meet with him. I just, you can kind of tell. I, I compare him a lot to Anu Solomon. Is that he's that that born leader? People want to play for him, not play with him. People want to play for him. They want to be on his side of the ball. So that's going to pay dividends for Arizona. But right now, this is going to be Jada Delora's offense. It just it just is. Uh, and based on some of the observations that have come out of spring practice, he's the best quarterback in the room. And you know there are there are some guys that are playing well. I mean, Will Plummer and Jordan McLeod have actually played well in this spring. And Noah Fafita has shown his moxie and his big arm. Um, in the you know in the spring sessions as well, but this is J- Jaden Delora's team right, right now. It's, it's his offense. He's taken the first team reps, took 100 percent of them yesterday, uh, and according to Michael Lev, had without question his best day throwing the football. So it was an offense versus defense series um, situation. The defense won in a best of five competition. When Traden Stukes, who apparently is having a really good spring, and I'm not surprised, Traden really came on at the end of the season last year, was playing extremely well. Uh, Traden Stukes uh, had a pass defense, a forced an incomplete pass with a deflection, also had an interception earlier in the practice as well. Um, so Traden Stukes breaks it up, wins the, uh, the, the, the series for the, uh, for the defense. But Michael Lev made, it, made some notes here. He says, after... Traden Stukes had the interception earlier on in the session. Um, he picked off Jaden Delora. He said the offense caught fire. Anthony Simpson made a really nice sideline grab um, and then got a touchdown pass from Will Plummer. Okay, that's a good sign. Will Plummer's out there slinging touchdowns to Anthony Simpson. Anthony Simpson, very, very talented. We are we are going to see good things from Anthony Simpson this year, even though he's in a very talented and log-jammed wide receiver room. Uh, I, th- I think he'll he'll you know separate himself in certain ways. Then Dorian Singer, who's also incredibly talented, made a tumbling touchdown catch in the back of the end zone on a pass from Noah Fafita. So Noah Fafita threw a touchdown in the spring practice yesterday. Kean Burnett, our freshman, very very talented tight end, made an acrobatic grab just beyond the right pylon for a touchdown from Jordan McLeod. 
Jordan McLeod throwing touchdowns in the spring practice yesterday. And T-Mac caught a touchdown from Jaden Delora. So you heard that right. All four quarterbacks threw touchdowns in the session yesterday. Plummer, uh, Fafita, McLeod, and Delora. I think Delora threw a couple, actually. But uh, and, and the young wide receivers, Simpson, Singer, Kean Burnett, and uh, T-Mac, Tetaroa, McMillan, all caught touchdown passes as well. The, the, again, this is spring practice. You're playing against your own guys. A lot of guys out there red, wearing red jerseys, non-contact jerseys. Uh, but nonetheless, you want to see them connecting on these plays. You don't want to see drop balls. You never want to see a ball hit the ground in practice. And, uh, you know, I wasn't there, but it doesn't sound like a whole lot of balls were hitting the turf in the uh, in the practice session yesterday. So these are all good things. Now, the running back class, again, very, very clogged room for the running backs. And there's, there's only one football to go around, okay? And we've got extremely talented wide receivers, and we got extremely talented running backs because you've got Drake Anderson, the transfer, of course, who played really well last year, Jalen John, who I have very high hopes for, Stevie Rocker, who it, 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 you know, struggled a little bit in the beginning, a true freshman, okay? Obvious, you know, he's not going to come on like Adrian Peterson uh, and rush for 1,000 yards his, his freshman season, okay? He played much, much better in the second half of the season. Then you got Jonah Coleman and Mikey, Michael Wiley still. So a, a clogged running back room. Now, three of those didn't play because of injuries. So Drake Anderson, Jalen John, and Stevie Rocker weren't practicing yesterday because of injuries. So it was a, a, a two-headed monster tailback with Michael Wiley and Jonah Coleman. Um, so there's your news as far as, like, the skill positions on offense go. Defense has looked pretty good, especially on the back end. The secondary, from what I've heard, uh, has played really, really well. Whether it be, uh, you know, as, as the previous mentioned, uh, Traden Stooks, Zero, Christian Roland Wallace, who is working his way towards an NFL draft pick. I mean, he's he was the you know he was the one that I was told by the scout from the from the Falcons that he was he was the guy that was going to be the most targeted player on this on this program uh, as far as NFL draft worthiness goes, and he continues to get better. Um, and then Jackson Turner, who's been playing well as well. And, look, I think, I think the secondary is going to be a real nice piece for this team. But, again, just like, you know, we always talk about when it comes to not just Arizona football, but Pac-12 football, you know, as a whole, playing in the trenches. Now, thankfully, they'll get to play against one another, but it's when it comes down to when you play the Big Ten, the SEC, now the ACC, sometimes even the Big 12, where the you know the Pac-12 in the trenches looks small. Now Arizona has done a little bit something about that. They've beefed up on both sides of the ball, but it'll be interesting to see how the chemistry moves forward with the offensive line and how the rotations look on the defensive line. <clears throat> you know Don Brown was really really good at getting those defensive linemen rotated in and out. You know you rarely saw guys on the field for three plays in a row. He was good at, at had a good rotational system, even though they were short on players, you know, on personnel. This year, they're a little bit richer in personnel. It'll be interesting to see what kind of rotations they have once game times start, because uh, it's really important to keep your defensive linemen fresh. We all know that. Uh, even before the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl with the Steve Spagnola uh, defense, where they just they rotated defensive linemen almost on every play. We knew about this long before that happened, but it's very, very important. So 
look, I'm liking the things that I see and hear out of uh, out of Arizona football right now. And if you're surprised that Jaden Delora is is getting all the reps, you shouldn't be. He's a very very talented player. He wouldn't have been named the Pac-12 Freshman Offensive Player of the Year if he wasn't. So uh, good things looking forward for a lot of the programs at Arizona. As I mentioned, Arizona basketball, women's basketball looking great for next year. Men's basketball obviously doing their thing in the tournament. Baseball just killed it against Stanford in a three-game homestand. Uh, you know, you've got, you've got the, the, foot, the football team, obviously, with their recruiting class. So a lot of things looking up for Wildcat Sports, and we'll have it all covered here for you right here on the Jeff Dean Show. We'll take a timeout. More after this right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. There was a statement made, and I don't know, you know kind of like where this all comes from, where, you know, where it stems from. I don't know if it's an actual NCAA credo or not. Um, but, you know, last night I was talking about Arizona women's basketball, and last night in the game, Lauren Ware was assessed a technical foul in the second quarter. She blocked a shot and celebrated the blocked shot. It was a very emotional moment for her. You know, her team's getting waxed, and they're not scoring, and you got to come up with something. So Lauren Ware came up with a blocked shot. She celebrated this. Now, she was given a technical for this, and Adia Barnes addressed it in her press conference after the game, basically saying that I've seen the guys get away with a lot worse and not get a technical. Now, this from uh, from NCAA women's on the on the on a Reddit thread in, in for NCAA women's, it says an Arizona player got a technical in the second quarter for celebrating a, a block. It was correct. There are videos regarding rules in women's basketball explaining it. The real issue is that there's a written rule that holds women to a higher standard than their male counterparts. I, I wasn't aware that there was a written rule that actually said that the women must be held to a higher standard than their male counterparts. I think that seems uh, a little, uh, I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't agree with that. First of all, that no one should be held to any different standard when it comes to amateur athletics. Uh, when you're talking about collegiate sports, whether it be women's basketball, football, men's you know, basketball, hockey, golf, whatever have you, um, student athletes should should be essentially you know ruled and, and rule you know, the adjudicated, if you will, the same way. They should be treated equally. I mean, that's what Title IX did for women's sports back in 1971, and you know, they basically said, "Look, women are going to be treated equally now. They're going to have equal." Uh, equal scholarships for their women's programs as for the men's programs. And money is going to be distributed evenly amongst the programs with a certain percentage obviously being tilted towards the higher earning sports and such, and rightfully so. But as far as the individual players being treated differently, I can't – I have a hard time believing that <laughs> that the NCAA actually has something written where uh, a woman can't do this but a man can because and that's you know that's completely defeating the purpose of everything the, what we're trying to do here. Now, I haven't seen the written rule. Do I agree with uh, with Lauren Ware getting a technical? I didn't see the play. I've seen a lot of technicals called 
in the you know over the years and specifically just in this postseason in the men's basketball tournament. And there's no rhyme or reason to the rule, the delineation between a technical and a non-technical foul. You had Eddie Lampkin shaking and dancing, you know, from hanging from the rim for three seconds after a dunk that he made against Arizona, no technical foul. Meanwhile, an Illinois player tries to save himself from flying into the basket stanchion and injuring himself, and he gets a technical. Like, there's just there's no delineation because you have human input. But if the NCAA actually has a written rule where it says women must be essentially ruled more harshly when it comes to technical fouls and showing up the other team, that's a problem. Like that's that's got to stop. You can't be you can't be doing things differently like that. This is not it's not 1954 anymore, folks. All right, that's going to wrap things up for hour number one of the Jeff Dean Show. Some NFL, some NBA, and what Sean Miller's effect on Xavier and the rest of the country is going to be next right here on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD for Tucson.